Sabbath there for us, Andy, to kick things off. Uh, started with Black Sabbath. Little Sweet Leaf to start things off. I'm your host, Dan. This is Andy here calling in remotely. Uh, today is episode 37 of Sports and Songs. How are you doing, Andy? Doing good, doing good. Uh, you're out on assignment. I'm on assignment. If the, uh, the users can see behind me here, the baseball stadium, I am currently on site for Sports and Songs in Springfield, Minnesota, site of the Class C State Amateur Baseball Tournament. Round two will be kicking off tomorrow night and all weekend, and so I'll be here reporting on the scores and whatnot on the Facebook page for Sports and Songs. So it'll be pretty interesting. It's a nice, lovely day here. Uh, not many people here, of course. It's uh, There's a campground right on site, which is expected to be full by tomorrow night. And it should be it should be good we're down to the 32 teams left in the state after this weekend uh, that'll be down to the sweet 16. i did a youtube prediction show and a brackets show for for class c i'll post that link in the description section for this and kind of went over the games for for this coming weekend at both both here at the springfield located at the milroy home of the milroy yankees location so uh, those are the two locations here there's of course class b going on this weekend all those games are hosted in shakopee and class a is done their tournament ended and the minnetonka millers won their 15th state amateur baseball tournament for class a so class a is done like i said eight teams left in class b 32 teams remaining in class c so there's really 40 teams left playing baseball in the state of minnesota only 40 so that's well, it's good. It's good stuff too. Uh, and the crowds are limited, you know, to 250 due to the, due to the pandemic. Uh, a max of 250 are allowed into the gates. Uh, tickets are seven dollars for each game, and they will run everybody out, bring in everybody again in for the following game. Uh, one game Friday night, four games Saturday, and three games on Sunday. And you can see the local train here going by. Uh, like, like I said here, I'm on assignment here with Sports and Songs. Just doing the best we can here. And... Okay. Let the train go. Can I get a fans game at the old stadium with the train going by? It's like that. It's like the old Midway with the train. And I'm, I'm yeah. showing here on the screen here, and I know you're calling in, you can't see it, but I've got the, uh, the links for all of our various social media for Sports and Songs. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you're watching this at home, uh, drop these down. Go to these, the YouTube page. We've got a blog. We've got a blog. And um, that, that's it. That's uh, all the information there is for those on social media. And then, for those who haven't seen this image yet, it's an uh, image of Andy and I and the Hams Bear at the convention at the Medina this last spring. And so that, that's, that's the Hams Bear there. That also has the locations of our social media sites, how you can get a hold of us, how you can send in requests, requests for album of the week, music requests, sports requests, things like that. But let's get the... Uh, Get this show started. Where do you want to start today? Well, so high school news. Um, like the Central High School sports, all the fall sports will push back. Uh, 
Utah, the Bemidji State area. Beaver basketball uh, faces delays of season at best. Uh, the NCIS, their sports, they're just moving that to January 1st of 2021. That's how far they're pushed off out for basketball and that. They're not going to win the whole season. They just want to wait and see what happens. Um, be a very condensed schedule. We'll see how it goes. Um, the way of the coronavirus pandemic, pandemic, NCIS Board of Directors decided on August 13th to cancel the fall sports season and push back the earliest competition date for winter sports on January 1st of 2021. Because the Richie only other winter programs on the men's and women's hockey, both Division One teams, the WCHA, even basketball so far is the only winter sport set the feast music, if you will. Over the summer, the Northern Sun Conference did axe all non-conference games on the schedule, dropping the regular season schedule to a maximum of 22 games. That number very well could be dropped again, depending on how everything goes. So we'll see, but they're still trying to get some sort of basketball season off up there for the Northern schools. So that'd be fun and exciting to watch there. I know here we've heard with Big Ten, Pac-10 canceled football. Other sports are also up in the air. Really, I don't want to report anything on it because it could change next week or the week after. So until we hear some more set, now that school has started and people are back in, and some schools will wait to see what happens what they do with that. Uh, shifting gears, if you will. Nice little segue word there. Shifting gears to NASCAR. Um, this Saturday is the final race at Daytona for the regular race chance for the last few drivers to jockey get points for uh, positions to make the playoffs. Fan favorite Jimmy Johnson is on the bubble and might not make the playoffs. And Jimmy Johnson did announce at the beginning of the year this would be his last season. Uh, other people have asked him, what, well, if you don't make it, you got to come back for one more. And he said, no, I'm done. Now, if you don't make the playoffs, you still race. And those other races on kind of be spoilers. Jimmy Johnson, don't make the playoffs. I'd still watch for him in the playoffs because he's going to play spoiler. You help out your buddies by letting them draft with you or block other guys. It's really exciting in NASCAR, the playoffs, their quote-unquote playoffs. So uh, give it a watch this Saturday night under the lights, Daytona International Speedway, Saturday, uh, 6 p.m. here, Minnesota time. Uh, the rest of you across the Mass and 7 East, uh, 5 in the mountains. Or, I'm sorry, 5 out in the West Coast. Thank you. 
Major League Baseball debut against the St. Louis Browns. Sellers earned the victory by striking out 15 batters. Also, this week, this year, in Indian news, Tristan McKenzie, uh, where he makes his first start, gets 10 strikeouts. Now, of course, Bob has the record. Uh, other Indians all-time leaders for strikeouts the first start. Good name is Louis Tian at 11 back in 1964. Herb's score had 9. Floyd Weaver had 8. So, I'm good there, but that Tristan McKenzie, I don't think that was a fluke. Um, watched Cleveland uh, take care of the Twins last couple days on TV. They got a nice young pitching staff there in Cleveland. Much that hurts to say, watch out for the tribe. This could be real this time. Next year, not this year, though. And that's what I got for sports. Dan, do you have anything else you want to add on on that? Nothing more to add on that. I think we can get into the uh, the history, the birthdays, and this, this day in uh, sports uh-huh. and uh, music segments. Go ahead with that. What I'll do for the listeners here is I'll bring up the images uh, that we have here for the viewers. And uh, All right. you can chat about the updates, and um, I'll bring them up. Okay. Reggie Miller tells the story of his daughter, or the daughter. 
That's probably Rangers. something that will never happen again. Yeah, there's another never happened back to back inside the Parkers. So, wow. Um, in 1982, Ricky Henderson. It was 119th base of the season to break Luke Rock's mark. There he is on the screen here. There's Ricky. Ricky being Ricky. Birthdays, 1970. Jim Tomei of the Cleveland Indians and many other teams.
have from someone else. Frankie wore 16. It's funny when he was in the Mets. Dwight Gooden was there wearing number 16. So he, 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 gave it a, he gave it a shot. He goes, I got to ask. Dwight's like, no. Well, 26 it was. 1991, Tom Browning versus the Expos Dennis Martina and Expos Dennis Martinez. to that when that unfolded yeah. that weekend. It was unreal.
song on there is
perfect Saturday afternoon. It's raining. Movie to watch on channel nine.
for the singing in the rain with Gene Kelly. Those two did some good music together. Uh, early musicals, if you will. Singing in the rain is pretty good. Cool. August 29th, 
by the excesses of the musicians and their technicians. So they finally get Tom Worman, the renowned producer, to record this, to produce this album. And for these reasons, Worman was unable to carry on his work and quit the job after only two weeks. It was replaced by Roy Thomas Baker and Michael Wagoner, who completed the recordings and mixed the album. The music of the album ranges from fast and aggressive tracks to pop and melodic ballads, representing a transition from classic heavy metal to the more commercial glam metal. And so this is the genre here, the Dokken, is considered heavy metal and glam metal. Tooth and Nail received some positive reviews, but was a slow seller, reaching the peak of number 49 on the U.S. Billboard 200 album chart and was gold status for more than 10 months after its release. But after the wake of the success of the album of the single Alone Again that I just played and its accompanying music video, the album was then certified platinum in 1989. But this came after the previous album Under Lock and Key and Back for the Attack had already achieved platinum status. So Tooth and Nail quickly became gold, but it took several, four years before it actually reached platinum status. Now, I will go to the track listening to. First song is called Without Warning, that's instrumental. Song two is Tooth and Nail. Song three, Just Got Lucky. Song four, Heartless Heart. Five, Don't Close Your Eyes. Song six, Heaven Comes Down, Song 7, Into the Fire, Song 8, Bullets to Spare, Song 9, Alone Again, and 10, Turn On the Action. Don Dockin does lead vocals, George Lynch on guitars, Jeff Coulson on bass, Nick Brown on the drums. After the de debut of their album Breaking in the Change album, Chains, on the French label, in 1981, Dokken had toured in support of the album in Europe, but was still relegated in local clubs in the U.S. where the album had yet not been issued. Only when Dokken came under the management of the influential Q Prime Inc., which also represented the successful Def Leppard and later Metallica, the band signed a contract with the major major American label Electro Records and eventually had the album released in their home country in September of 1983. Dokken went out on an arena tour in the, in the U.S. in support of the act and they, uh, as a support act for Aldo Nova, Blue Oyster Cult, and Rainbow. But the band's increased exposure did not save the remix reissue from the commercial failure and Electra mediated to drop them their management convinced the label to finance the release of another album instead. So they had some tough time getting out of the gates, so to say, with their first album and now with their second one. Their previous, their previous bassist left to join a, an up-and-coming group in L.A. called Rat. And guitarist George Lynch had quit and rejoined multiple times. But it was apparent from the start a manifest incompatibility of character between Lynch and vocalist Don Dokken, which prevented the two from working together more than once escalated in open hostility. During Lynch's lapses of membership, 
Dokken tried out other guitarists, including Warren D. Martini, who later joined Rat, when the band when that band's career beginning to take off. Lynch, George Lynch, actually auditioned for Ozzy Osbourne's band to replace the deceased drummer Randy Rhodes, but was not selected. And finally, he finally settled in with Dokken after the release of their first album in the U.S. Lynch began, began laying down some guitar riffs and music ideas on a four-track recorder at his home in 1983 and was soon joined by Pilsen and drummer Mick Brown. The three of these guys formed a cohesive songwriting team which produced several demos, including lyrics and vocals. Now, this was still, you know, you know, Lynch and Dokken didn't get along, so Lynch is up, I'll get a recorder at home and, and lay down some of these uh, song songwriting excluding the vocals and Don could come in later and do those. Don Dockin was excluded from this creative stage and worked on songs and lyrics on his own time or with Pilsen. But the power ballad alone was the result of Dockin and Pilsen collaborating and is this and is the reworking of a song written by Dockin back in 1975 that he wrote. Lynch, George Lynch, again opposed the inclusion of this song on the album because he did not want any ballads on the album. was convinced otherwise. According to Don Dockin, he said the band wrote 25 songs in this period and then narrowed it down to the 10 best. And uh, and once again, to the to the title here, Tooth and Nail, Don Dockin was quoted by saying, Electra wanted to drop us. They said, forget this band. They aren't going to go anywhere. Our managers had to beg them to keep us on the label. They said, we'll give you one more shot. So we were up against the wall. That's why we came up with the title, Tooth and Nail. If we were going to make it, it was going to be a fight. And um, Dokken is considered players of both the, uh, of the hair slash pop metal glam metal subgenre by many critics and fans. Tooth and Nail, though, was included in various polls as one of the best glam metal albums. However, in a recent interview, Don Dawkins disclaimed the band disclaimed the band's belonging to that category. Didn't, didn't like it, of course. He said, I don't want to be compared with acts like Poison, Winger, and Motley Crue. And so, let's see here what else we've got. So, remember, they brought in the producer they wanted to have produce. He didn't last two weeks with, with these characters. He says, I'm out. So they bring in Tom Warman. Now, Worman had been in the music business and helped produce multi-platinum albums with Cheap Trick, Molly Hatchet, Ted Nugent, and Motley Crue's second album, Shout at the Devil. So he, he, he was there to keep things uh, keep things in in check. Uh, and then they also brought in Jeff Workman, who did some of the some of the other production work on this. But his behavior also didn't mesh very easily. So the troubled relationship only added up to the escalating clash of egos between Lynch and Dockin, which was furtherly exacerbated by the abuse of cocaine and alcohol by the musicians and the and the technicians. So Worman had to set up a working schedule to avoid the contemporary presence of the guitarist and the vocalist in the studio at the same time. And so he he had to put together a morning a morning session schedule and an afternoon session session schedule. Dockin and George Lynch never worked in the recording studio uh, together. After a few 
soundtrack to the horror movie Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. Yeah. And Don Dawkins wrote that, called it, and uh, it was called Dream Warriors, uh, newly written, and Don had to do that. for the show, Andy. 